in conversations with my team, I constantly say to them, like, let's get to the problem statement. And the problem statement needs to be like one sentence. Because if you can't describe Mm. it in one sentence, you don't understand it. And then from there, give me options, right? And there's always one choice is like, do nothing. That's always an option. You could do nothing. But like the sooner you can get down to like, what's the problem? What are my options? To me, that's where like everything gets unlocked. You're listening to C-Suite Blueprint, the show for C-Suite leaders. Here we discuss no BS approaches to organizational readiness and digital transformation. Let's start the show. Today's guest knows robots and toys better than anyone, and she now finds herself in the middle of a very large digital transformation. Previously, she was at Hasbro leading global brand strategy and digital marketing. Now, she's at iRobot leading global consumer engagement. She has a wealth of knowledge and expertise and stories from the trenches. Please welcome Erin Bonsang. Hey, Erin. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, George. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, before we get into it, I figured just in case people make assumptions, you are not indeed a robot, correct? I am not a robot, even though I work for a robotics sounds, company. <laughs> it sounds like something a robot would say, but um, I'll believe you for now. Okay. Um, so Aaron, we caught up recently and you are really deep in the middle of a digital transformation. And I'd yeah. love to hear a little bit about how did that happen and, and how's it going? How's it feeling? Well, first off, thanks for having me. This is my first time on a podcast and um, this really interesting stuff to talk about. So I've been with the company, gosh, almost three years and around the end of 2019, which at this point feels like 75 years ago, um, (laughs) we started recognizing that we felt like there was an opportunity for us to grow relationships with our existing customers, which Mm -hmm. historically hadn't really been a focus for, um, for the brand. And so we actually brought in a third party to help assess our overall assessment. Not surprising. We were pretty immature and had a lot of work to do. And so as we came into like Q1 2020 before COVID hit, we all said, you know what, there's a there there. We need to figure out what that there there looks like. And then I think there were some other factors really that started to come into play, which is that really morphed into, hmm, I wonder if we are potentially ready for something larger. And this is bigger than just CRM, which is how we've been talking about it historically. And this is really more of a digital transformation. And candidly, like there were differing opinions in the org of like, are we, are we not? Aren't we already doing that? Like, you know, it was interesting coming into today's meeting. I happened to be on Reddit and I was on this like one thread that I love. It's all about like good charts. And it was talking about Mm. the fact that we're in the fourth industrial revolution And that the fourth industrial revolution is really all about digitizing business, um, whereas the third industrial revolution was really more about digitizing that experience. And so I just thought that was notable coming in. But um, nonetheless, so we we said, you know, we think we are. How do we want to go about this? And I think we had the humility to say, like, we can work our way through it or we know that a lot of this is a solved problem. Let us think about how do we go about it and how do we do it efficiently? And so that kind of kicked off the journey. We brought McKinsey, um, did an engagement with them that lasted about 18 months and kind of, as they say, like the rest is history. I think the unique thing that no one would have known coming into this is that we were a beneficiary of, of COVID in terms of like a stay-at-home stock, like a Netflix, like a Peloton, where we saw incredible demand for our products 
as consumers were locked down, more members of their house household maybe altogether, homes getting dirtier faster, cleanliness being top of mind, that we saw explosive growth in 2020. So like those two factors sort of happened all at the same time. And it's been nice. pretty intense since then, without a doubt. Yeah, along with all the home improvement trends and, yeah. and all those numbers. Yeah. So, so um so how's it going? How's it feel? It I would say overall it's really good. Like what I continually need to do is I'm at like the five foot level and then the five hundred thousand foot level, right? And so I zoom back out in the five hundred thousand foot level. I was actually working on a presentation today just recapping sort of how did our Black Friday, Cyber Monday performance go? And we, we had a really good mm-hmm. holiday. But we were talking about the fact, just like operationally, how much progress that we had made in the year. And I continue to have to remind myself of those things because when you zoom back out, it's it's really amazing in terms of improvements that we've made. Our teams have grown drastically. Our processes have improved. We, we now have some really, really great tools to enable the experiences that we want. So that's really, really exciting. I think when you then zoom down to the to the five foot level, some days are better than others. <laughs> it's just the truth. It's not all smooth sailing. <laughs> no, it's not all smooth sailing. It's not all smooth sailing because um, I think we're doing a lot of digital construction. And mm. the simplest way that I like to talk to you about it with people is the fact that we're building a new, we're building a house. And I think you know you always hear sort of the tropes about the fact that like building a house can make or break a marriage, right? Like you go in with mm-hmm. a really good plan, and then you know the uh, plumber comes in late or comes in with a higher estimate, and then you need to, and then that has a knock-on effect on getting the foundation poured or whatever it may be. And it's like the house itself, awesome foundation, you still want the house, but the path to getting there, it's hard. It's really, really hard. It's hard. And there are some days and you're like, is this house ever going to be done? <laughs> and it will. The thing it is, will. it's not. As long as as long as you're living in it, you're always going to improve it though, right? Yeah, so it's no, really. it's, it's never really done. You're right. Like I was on a, I had a meeting this morning with some folks and I said like, the day we launch this, it's not as if we're going to pick up and walk away. We're now going to go into our backlog and pull on all kinds of other work and it's never going to be done. Even when we do that backlog, the world will have changed again. Um so you're right. It's never done. I guess that's good job security, but um, it it requires just like a recommitment, right? Of like, why am I doing this? What's this working in service of? And you you have to like zoom in and say, okay, that that didn't work the way that I thought. Okay, what can I learn from it? And then zoom back out and say, but overall, we're making good traction. And I think like playing in those two worlds can be hard. Can be hard. Yeah, you and I were talking. We were calling that the the messy middle, which I think yeah. is appropriate that you're zooming in and out of. Yes. and uh, it's funny that you equate it to you know building a home because I'm always asking why are why are in these initiatives why are people always you know underestimating and um, kind of you know have the wrong expectations. But then I look at my home. Anytime I do a do-it-yourself project, I tell my wife, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. It's going to take two hours. And she's gotten to the point that she's like, it's not going to take two hours. It's going to take, yeah. take two days. And I know this, but yet I still, every single time in my head, I'm like, oh, it's just going to take one run to Home Depot and a couple hours and I'm done. And it never happens. Nope. You know, I'm curious, you know, how are you experiencing those types of challenges and how are you trying to kind of adjust them and, and, um, push through them. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's absolutely the case by the way, in, in terms of, I think we're all impatient, right? We, we want, um, we know that customer experience matters and we know that there's a lot of work we all have to do in terms of getting the experiences that we want. 
for me, a lot of it comes down to expectations management and having mm. the courage to have difficult conversations, which is to say, I understand why you want this. I want the same thing too, but it, it, it just may not happen on the timetable that you want, right? Like it, it goes back to thinking like, do you want it fast? Do you want it cheap? Do you want it done well? You can't have all three. And um, I think that, you know, we, we all fundamentally want everything at the same time. And it's yeah. just having the courage to have those conversations and say, like, I get it. I want the same thing, too. But based on the resources that we have, based on the prioritization, this is what we can do. Here is my opinion. Here is my perspective. Like in conversations with my team, I constantly say to them, like, let's get to the problem statement. And the problem statement needs to be like one sentence. Because if you can't describe mm. it in one sentence, you don't understand it. And then from there, give me options, right? And there's always one choice is like, do nothing. That's always an option. You could do nothing. But like the sooner you can get down to like, what's the problem? What are my options? To me, that's where like everything gets unlocked. Because mm. in a culture of like everybody on Zoom, everybody, myself included, we all have opinions, right? We all have really good experience and we're lucky at iRobot. We have people with just like amazing brand experience and technology experience and vertical experience. And we all want to bring that point of view to the table. But then it's like, you got to cut it. At some point you got to say like, okay, we've looked at, we've looked at this problem five different ways. Here are the options. What are the pros and cons of each and pick one and hold hands and say, all right, we're going to do it. And it might not work. If it doesn't work, we're going to go into it and saying, what can we learn? And I think that is to me, the, the whole idea of like that learning mindset which, by mm-hmm. the way, is nothing revolutionary. I think we all talk about it, but it's like anything, like really living it is hard. No one wants to fail. They don't. It is. It's tough. And you don't want to let down your team members either, no. right? And no. I love the problem statement because, um, you know, what I find whenever I'm dealing with teams that are really getting hung up and spun around the axle on trying to get consensus, if you mm-hmm. really push in and you're like, why do you? Why do you care about this? Why do you care about this? You sometimes uncover like, oh, I actually don't, I don't really care about this thing over here. I only care about this other thing over there. And, um, and forcing them to do that problem statement really helps uncover that, not just for yourselves, but for that person themselves to realize, oh, I don't really care about this one decision. There's also this piece of, I've often underestimated where you have just sort of these built-in mechanisms for how you process information. And sometimes those assumptions are just wrong, but they're so ingrained that you don't even think about it. And so sometimes it's as simple as saying like, why do you think that? Like what's driving your decision to think that? And, you know, I I had a situation where we, we had a team member who really liked another member of the team and didn't want to potentially overload them with work. So they're making decisions about improvements to the experience for fear of overloading that person's capability. It's like, okay, well, why? Like, let's talk about it. That person actually doesn't feel that they're overwhelmed. And so I think a lot of my job is like sorting, right? Like people will have issues and then it's like, okay, but why? And like, okay, issue A, issue B, issue B, not really an issue, not really an issue, not really an issue. That's an actual issue. Okay, now let's talk about this and then let's go to solutions. So it's like, it's sorting because a lot of times what we're all human, right? And like the way that we all make decisions is not usually rational. Yeah. Digital transformation as a marriage counselor is what it sounds like a little bit. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of what it is, is change is really hard. And like what I I've discovered is it's really important that you understand how do your team members make decisions? Like what I care more about is, is like, what's the process you're going to go through when you make a decision? So they understand your frame of reference because I can't be in every meeting. Once I better understand how you're going to make a decision, then I can say like, okay, I know so-and-so is probably going to react this way. So then I don't, I don't need to be involved because I, I know they're the, the thinking, but getting to that thinking that takes a long time, right? It takes a lot of conversations and you need to better understand like, where is that person in their career? What is their comfort level with you? What are the dynamics with the team? What is their knowledge with the platform or whatever the project is? And that can be hard to do, you know, virtually. Yeah. You know what? An interesting trend that I've seen, especially if, as as there's been more focus on culture over the last decade or so, I think early in my career, what I encountered a lot was the classic analysis paralysis, right? And, and that yeah. felt like it was driven from not wanting to pick the wrong solution or pick the wrong technology. But now the getting hung up on consensus seems to be more around, I don't want to hurt this other person. I don't want to let this other person down. So it's, it's less about the solution and more about the other people. I don't, is that been your experience yeah. as well? I've seen that here and then other places that I've worked. And so it's I, I, the thing that, I, and I'm guilty of it by the way, as well, <laughs> you know, is to say like, am I going to, am I going to be measured when I go into my quarterly review on, I hurt George's feelings. Is that what I'm going to be measured on? Okay. If I am, <laughs> which wouldn't make sense. But if I was, then I'm going to make decisions based on that. But I'm not. Mm. What I'm going to be made, judged on is, did I achieve this goal? So then a lot of it comes down to it's courage. It's mm. courage. It's courage to have a conversation with someone and they might not agree with you. And it's the courage to say, okay, that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. Like, doesn't mean your point is better or wrong or different than mine. It's just different. And I think what I found is some people love it. It's like second nature. Other people need a little coaching, but then they figure it out. And then other people, it's really, really hard. And so you've got to make sure that you put people in position who can have those conversations, especially when, you know, I have a pretty big team and you're leading a big team. Uh, and then take, you know, back to the theme of, of the zoom in, zoom out, then zooming yeah. back up to like how this all started. And, and also kind of like a construction project is you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this one project. And then you pull the thread, you pull the thread. Oh, all yeah. of a sudden you're, you're doing like a million different things. So it's like, yeah. all right, we're going to do CRM. And then what? Then we're going to do e-commerce. And then, then what? Then, and then we're like, wait a minute. Is this what digital transformation? Are we in digital transform- transformation? Like, how did that happen? I, I mean, it, it happened somewhat organically in the sense mm. that I think as you start to look under the hood, everything is interconnected. So it's kind of, it's like a car, right? It's like, okay, well, you're going to put brand new wheels, but the car is still old. Like, okay, you could do that, but you now need to, I don't know, upgrade the muffler. Well, now I'm going to upgrade the muffler. Now I need to look at the engine. And so... I think a lot of it is, is like digital transformation is not a quick fix. Digital transformation is the way the world works now. Um, mm. And I just think, I think every company will go through it at a different point because the automation that digital transformation brings and the ability to orchestrate systems, it's not unique anymore. It's what people expect thanks to Amazon, right? And other players, like it's just now BAU business as usual. So I think just think it happens to be, it's like, when are you ready to go through the change and what that means <laughs> that for you? Makes, 
That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and these these are not quick. They're long. I'm interested yeah. from you some maybe stories from the trenches or, or tips on, you know, once there's a vision that's set up there. But, you know, yep. when you're a year, two years in, it can be easy to you know get lost from there. How do you keep tying it back? Um, I think we have very, very specific goals that we continue to look back that we that we're measured on. I mean, we are now at a point where we're forecasting our goals by quarter, month, week, and day. Sometimes probably going down by day is we've discovered is, is, is maybe too much. But what's really fascinating about the part of the business that I work on is that um, it changes every day. It really changes every day, which I love, but also drives me crazy at the same time, because it's like what worked on Friday doesn't work on Monday. And I, I think what we've come to recognize is that every single part of the experience has to be aligned, right? In order for digital transformation, direct-to-consumer to work really well. It means like your targeting in display and search, the message that you show in display, where you drop that user on, on iRobot.com. What is the image? What is the messaging? What is the CTA? What is the PVP bullets to what is that cart experience look like? What is the messaging in cart to setting the expectations of you getting that product to unboxing it, to provisioning it, to setting up the app, yada, yada. You can see it. Like you're being measured at every single one of those gates. And what we've discovered is, is like, and it's not surprising, but like, if you get steps step one through seven, great, awesome. You got them to the site. They didn't bounce. They are spending a decent amount of time on site. They've added the product to their cart, but then you fall down, let's say, um, during your order confirmation communications, you may have lost the sale, right? Consumer mm -hmm. may pick up care and say like, you know what? I don't want it. I don't want it because of these X, Y, Z reasons. And so it requires you now to really make sure that your paid media partners in terms of the creative and the value proposition that you're putting out there all the way through your order management teams and care, they have to work together in ways that in many large siloed organizations, they haven't had to, right? Because I, I always say to my team, like, the consumer doesn't care that the media team is on a different team than web. Don't care. They don't care that the app is on a different team and they have different goals. We're just all I robot to them. And we're being judged every day in terms of how we show up or not show up. And you can easily lose those sales if you don't show up the right way. Yeah. Show up the right way at every single moment, every single day. So Which how are you breaking those silence? Yeah, it, I always it's, equate it to like a three-star Michelin restaurant, right? It's like that you need that rigor and that discipline at every single touch point across yeah. the whole organization. Yeah, it, it's required, A, I, I would say, courage to have some very difficult conversations. But we're getting to a point where I would say like every week we're looking at how do we show up across all channels in the following week. Like we're looking at the placements. We're looking at where we're driving. And then every morning we do a standup and we look at performance and we're able to drill down onto things like traffic conversion rate, AOV at a page level and say like, oh, okay, that didn't work the way that we thought. What are we going to do about it? Right. And we know now pretty well, like what we can change in an hour, what we can change in a day, what we can change in a week. Cause there are some things that we just you know can't impact. So that's really helped. And it, it does become kind of fun, to be honest with you, mm. because it becomes like this mission of like, why didn't that work the way that you thought? And that's why, like, I would say testing is so important. Like one of the, the biggest things that's come out of this is building a testing culture 
in a culture where you're letting the data guide you, not people's opinions. And that's a double-edged sword in terms of what I've seen. I read something recently. I think it was someone's LinkedIn post, but um, they said, oh, yeah, with regards to testing, you never use it to, to, to settle an argument. I'm curious how you feel, but you yeah, agree with that? That was, I saw that exact same post um, and I thought it was pretty interesting how like divisive people were. We've used it to settle arguments um, yeah. and I think you should. So it's hard not to, right? <laughs> it's hard not to. Here's the thing that I've found, right? In theory, everyone will say, yes, Aaron, we should let let the data decide. Like I actually had a, a former boss to be at one point. He said, Aaron, people lie, numbers don't. And it's true. Like we as humans, we want to believe that our, like our hypotheses are right. And we often think that like our way of doing something because we want to see it that way applies to everyone else, but it usually doesn't. <laughs> like it really doesn't. And so that's why the testing is like a good intermediary. But then what I find what ends up happening is when we move then into okay, we're going to like test this hypothesis. We sometimes find that people still don't like the answers and that's where it can get, it can get tricky, but it's, it's just a work in progress. You have to come in and say like, testing is critical. We wouldn't roll out a product without getting consumer feedback. If we start to think about everything we're doing as an experience and thinking about that as a product, why would we roll it out without getting feedback quant and qual? Yeah. And, and um, you know, that, that, <laughs> I think it is very hard not to settle an argument if, if you could just run a test. And and maybe, yeah. you know, one of the key things of a testing culture is that making it so that people don't form those strong opinions to start with, right? They yeah. they should be going into these things knowing like, hey, we're going to learn some stuff that, you know, is going to be, maybe it's going to be something unexpected. I'm not going to form a strong opinion until we kind of see it play out. And so in that sense, mm -hmm. you're not you're kind of avoiding those arguments before they even start, I guess, is what you'd do. Yeah, I think there are some people who would have, I can only tell you what I've seen. And what I've seen is people who've been testing for a long time have that mentality. People that haven't, they just have strong opinions, right? So like a lot of marketing for so long was gut, mm. right? And you have people who've had really strong gut and then made really good calls. And it's hard to give that up, myself included, right? Like I, I still believe some of my own ideas are really good and we tested them and I was wrong and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I think like, yes, it just, it depends upon the person. It depends upon their role in the org. It depends upon what their goals are. It depends upon their priorities. I was talking recently about how painful it is when you don't follow your gut and then you realize that you should have. I know. And I wonder if that drives that behavior a lot. Because, and, and maybe well, just enough time in testing gets you away from it's, that. It's funny. Like we, we have debates a lot where we're like, do we need to test this or do we just do it because it's a best practice? And it varies. It really varies. Mm. You know, because you can't test everything. I too, like you don't have time. You don't have resources. Don't have enough time, and you won't get every anything out the door. So, it, it, art. It, what I love about what I've always loved about marketing and ecom is it is a mix of art and science. But I would say instead of it being fifty fifty, whatever, it's it's more like eighty twenty in terms of science and art. And yeah. sometimes, occasionally, it flips, but not as much now, and not as much, especially in the work that we're doing. I mean, the good news is we have so much data in terms of like we know how we're doing by the hour. Love that, and you're also in, also in this space. There's a lot of um, 
There's a lot of software vendors that are out there selling things that will yeah. claim to solve all of your problems in the world. And, you know, what yeah. I love to do is just like, where in this space is the BS? You know, where are people just saying, here's this, here's this thing that's going to cure, you know, cure all your woes, but it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't think I have any like, why, um, wise words of wisdom per se. It's about really doing like proper discovery on the partners that you work with, really digging deep in terms of their offering and bringing in people that can challenge it, protecting yourself as you write scopes and um, agreements with those partners to make sure that your best interests are taken to heart. And then making sure that you have sales partners that you work with to say like, do I trust this person? This is where I do rely a lot on gut. Um, because mm. you're right. I mean, we get emails all day long of like, Aaron, this is going to fix this for you. This is going to fix that. And it's like, well, what I've found is, is everyone wants a one-stop solution. I want a one-stop solution, but that does not yet exist. What ends up happening is partners end up, um, promising that as a way to get in the door and you just have to ask the right questions. Um, and sometimes mm. we've done it right. And sometimes we haven't, there's, there's no question about it. Asking the right questions is so important. So coming from a marketing background and um, consumer engagement and brand strategy, yeah. now that you're deep into digital transformation, what have you been the most surprised by? That's a good question. Um, I don't think there's one specific thing that I've been most surprised by. I, I think like coming out of the pandemic, I think what we discovered is consumer expectations went through the roof in terms of what people expected in terms of how they interacted with brands. So it's like you you got to raise your game. And I think about it myself too. Like the amount of times I will not buy a product because either the search experience, the checkout experience, whatever it may be is just too much work. I'm like, I'm not doing it. It's just too hard. And, you know, I always thought, oh, maybe I'm just being extra difficult on it, but I'm not. I mean, all the data that we've seen is to say that e-com really went through a major transformation through COVID, consumers have higher expectations. So I think that, that that's one. I think the second thing I would say is we've worked really hard to try to forecast what we think um, may or may not happen with our business. And it's you need a big slice of humble pie in that process because mm. you can go on historicals, but we're, we're now in this really weird year. And it's like, sometimes we just nail it. And you're like, yes, I got it right. And other times you're just like, okay, didn't see that coming. And so a lot, one of my biggest thing is like resilience and being like flexible to change. Like what you think is right on Thursday based on data that you've seen over the weekend, like, no, got to change. So you can't get too hung up on anything because ultimately the consumers in the drivers, they're in the driver's wheel. They're going to decide, they're going to determine, do they want to click, visit, whatever it may be. And they're either going to do it or not. And they have a really low threshold. So then it's like making sure that you have good people that are aligned to your mission. I would also say like people that understand where you are. So lots of the conversations that we've had is about bringing on talent that likes to build. And building mm -hmm. is really different, I think, than just running right? Like building is like, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems a lot. And so if a problem every day is going to be something that puts you, you know, over the edge and is too stressful, probably isn't the right role given where you are at that moment. 
Um, and there's really a profile of people that just like to build. They want to like get in there, lay tracks, figure out the processes and structure, and then they want to they, they, they sort of want to move on to the new challenge. So you got to align your talent with that so that they can understand they're doing a lot of digital construction. So that means they may have to wear different hats. They have to be agile. They have to be resilient and they have to like it. I think that's the other thing. Like, I think there's this like crossroads happening in marketing right now where it's the whole idea of like, I'm going to build a beautiful PowerPoint and it's going to say like, we're going to do all of these things, omni-channel, multi-touch, right? And it looks beautiful on paper, but it's like Mm -hmm. actually executing it and then seeing what happens and discovering like, okay, this worked, this didn't, this didn't, this didn't. And then the next question is like, okay, how quickly can you change it? And so it's this idea of like, it's never done. You're always MVPing. I think I would say what I've seen, not just at a robot, but in general, like some people love that. Some people hate it. <laughs> and a lot of people in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back to your, you know, building a house example, the, you know, it's a very different person that's going to yes. move into a 1700s fixer upper yes. or do, you know, blank canvas construction or just, Hey, I want a new construction condo with an association where I don't need to worry about anything. Yeah. Right. Everything renoed, like all you have to do is come in and live. And that's not where we're at. And, you know, and I think we have um, sort of a, what we call a builder's culture or builder's code, excuse me. And it's just sort of these like tenants that we all live within. And in general, what I've seen is the folks that really enjoy iRobot and have been successful, they're truly builders at heart. Um, It's the type Mm. of company where you can come in and you can make a difference. You can build something. But it, it, but it's hard too. It's it's like every day is different. There are new challenges that come up. So it's like he, the 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 two sort of work hand in hand. And I think a lot about it is is that robots are hard. It's not you know it's not akin to I, I don't know making a toy or um, making a consumer product good. Like it's just really hard. There's a lot of technology that goes into those products, and there's a long lead time in getting those products out the door. And so it's a um, when I listen to like Colin Angle, who is our CEO speak, he talks a lot about the fact that they had a lot of trial and error before they got to Roomba, a lot of things that didn't work. And so then it's like, you know, you hear the whole fail forward, fail fast. And I think we've all heard that, that, that expression till the cows come home, but it's like, but really doing that and like really saying like, okay, we're going to try this and it didn't work and it really didn't work. And so then it's like, okay, what did we learn? How can we get better and having a culture that applauds that has been it's it's such a strength you know the the fact that your core culture is that of builders fits in so nicely to then you know the digital building that you're doing Mm -hmm. and i think i think it's going to really set you up for success so i've got one fun question for you at the end um but but before we do is there is there anything you think that that we missed or that you you really wanted to talk about no i i think i think we covered a lot i think one piece, I was recently at a um, mass conference for women, and one of the things that it, it really talked about coming out of the pandemic is the importance of transparency. And I think that as you go through a digital transformation, you've just got to be honest with people that it's messy and mm. be really clear with, like I always say, like what got us here won't get us to the next phase. So that means like it's going to require hard conversations and there are going to be potentially changes that not everyone likes. And I think we're trying to be really transparent about that. And that's just different. It's just different than what I've seen at other companies and what I've seen 
in marketing in general, but it's, that's kind of becoming a new norm. And I think a lot of it is just with, there's so much fundamentally changing around like what is normal now. And just some of the sort of events that happened throughout the last year, like our employees expect and consumers expect us to be really open and candid with them. Yeah. And, and it goes hand in hand, right? Is making sure you have the right people and that transparency. Because if yeah. you have the wrong people who aren't comfortable with that, then that get that starts to get really messy quickly, right? But yeah. if you've got the people that, that are comfortable with it, then, then it works. And I would just say, appreciate that change is really hard. It's hard for mm. everybody. And everyone's on like a different change management spectrum, I guess is what I would say. Like, And having a, a really strong change management office and culture is, I think, a key learning for us. Because when you're doing digital transformation, it's not like we're going to put in a new, I don't know, platform. It's like, yeah, but it's more about what is that platform actually now open up for us? And what are the processes around it? How's the work going to get done? Who are the people that need to do the work? How does it then have a knock-on effect using that like engine example of what everything else in the organization? And if you, that can be an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like dropping someone from a Honda into Ferrari and saying, go, go have fun. Good luck. You kind of need to get some coaching. Yeah. Right. Right. It's still a car, but it's really different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, what I'd love to end on is, um, you know, over your career and in life, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Wait a day and everything changes. Wait a day and everything changes. Yeah. And I, I, I know it's, And it's just more of like, you can be having an awesome day and you feel like I've got this, like I'm on top of it. (laughs) The next day, everything changes. Or you can have a day that just feels horrible, right? Nothing went according to plan. You know, I I tend to be pretty hard on myself and it's easy to get down on yourself. But then the next day, something new happens. And so a lot of it is like, uh, you just have to recognize that everything in the world doesn't revolve around your plans and your plans on it uh, for it. It's really all frenetic and you win some, you lose some. What? I thought everything revolved around my plans and what, I what ideas I had. <laughs> no, nope, they don't. Yeah, that's probably Shucks. the best one. That is good. I love it. And it's easy to digest and, and put into practice. I love it. Um, so, Aaron, thank you so much. I, I yeah. wish you the best of luck and the whole iRobot team. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. Technology should serve vision, not set it. At Intevity, we design clear blueprints for organizational readiness and digital transformation that allow companies to chart new paths. Then we drive the implementation of those plans with our client partners in service of growth. Find out more at www.intevity.com. You've been listening to C-Suite Blueprint. If you like what you've heard, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a new episode. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could leave a rating. Just give us however many stars you think we deserve. Until next time.